The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dawn. Let's pray that God will speak to us this morning through this strange story of Jesus and what he said after it. We praise you, Lord God, that you are a God who speaks, that you haven't left us to guess what you are like, but you've revealed yourself in Jesus. We praise you for your amazing grace that we've just sung about, that amazing undeserved love that though we've all sinned and got things wrong, you paid the price for our sin on the cross. We praise you for the water of baptism, that picture of being washed clean and a fresh start. And we pray now that you will come and speak to us, whether some here have been Christians many, many years, others perhaps just dipping their toe in the water and wondering if it's all true. Come, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit and speak through the words you spoke all those years ago. Take my words, but speak to each one of us, we pray, and give us grace to take the next step in our walk with you. And we ask it all in your name. Amen. Well, great to see some rugby boys in today. There's some big lads in today. I, was, I always enjoyed some sport, but I was never very good at rugby. You can tell I was blind. So at 11, I fancied myself as a bit of a kicker and a fly half. But by the time I was 13, I couldn't see the ball to catch it, and it all went horribly wrong. So I played some bat and ball sports. Uh, played a bit of tennis and squash. It's the Wimbledon final today. My daughter, back from Albania, has got tickets to be in centre court. How about that? That's a... Now, I played a bit of tennis, but I was never that good. I'm in awe of what they can do. But if the spirit of Djokovic or Alcaraz could come into me, then I'd be able to do it. Uh, I used to play some cricket. Again, not that well. Good enough for clergy teams, but not brilliantly. But if the spirit of Ben Stokes came into me, then I could have been more useful. Uh, but I wasn't. I even had a go at playing the piano. Um, a little bit music, probably about as musical as I was sporty, which is average. I got to grade five failed, and uh, then we had children, 
and uh, it all went pear-shaped. Who knows what will come in my old age? It might come again. But what if the spirit of Mozart was in me? Then I'd be able to, to play the piano, or even the spirit of Tom, who can play it so well here, <laughs> you know, the spirit of playing keys this morning, or Eleanor. Now, why do I say that? God has given me life as he's given to you. He's made us in his image to live life the way he says. And down to me, I just can't do it. I fall short of God's standards all the time. But what if the spirit of Jesus Christ came into me and helped me to live the way I'm meant to live? And that is the amazing offer that Jesus makes to all of us today. The spirit of Jesus Christ came into me many, many years ago. I grew up in a Christian family. As a student, I bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord. I took those vows that have been made as baptism and made them my own. And I've known the spirit of Jesus Christ in me And he's been at work in me slowly, painfully slowly, 42 years since I went up as a student. But he hasn't finished with me yet. There's still a few to go, I hope. And we're all works in progress. But when the spirit of Jesus Christ comes into me, then we can start to live the life God has made us to live. To become our truest selves, the people deep down we know God's made us to be. So this is an amazing offer that God makes to anybody who comes to him through Jesus. Uh, I've got three things to say, none of them particular rocket science from this passage, but just to help us register what Jesus is saying. And it comes in the context of Jesus talking about prayer. Uh, Last week here we were thinking about Mary and Martha and Jesus inviting us to be close to him and listen to him. Last week in the evening, looking at the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus taught us to call God Father... And that flow of God as Father is flowing into this passage today. So the first thing to say is that God is a good and perfect Father. Uh, Jesus had been praying and the disciples had asked him, will you teach us to pray? They noticed he prayed with a relationship and intimacy with God that they just had not seen from the very religious people in the synagogue they'd grown up with. And they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, you say, our Father. Literally the Hebrew word, Abba. It's the the same as Daddy. I spent a year in Israel as a young man, and I remember uh, children from kindergarten coming back uh, as their dad picked them up with their arms up, going, Abba, 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 just like our little children would say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And the word Abba has something of the intimacy of Daddy and the reverence of Father. Now, in, our, in, in English, it doesn't quite work. When my kids say to me, Father, I know they're being ironic and they want something. Uh, Daddy has a sort of intimacy, but not so much of a reverence. And it's somehow Abba is the combination of those two. Now, I don't know if you read the press at all and are remotely interested what happened at General Synod last weekend. It was five days up at York University. I was there last week. Uh, But one of the things that hit the headlines was Archbishop Stephen, the Archbishop of York, in his opening address talking about the Lord's Prayer. And what he said about this is perfectly reasonable. Jesus taught us to say, Father, to God. Of course, for some people who've had difficult dads, some of us have had good dads, some of us had okay dads, some haven't known their fathers, some have had dads who've been damaging. And the Archbishop said, for some people, Father can be problematic. Well, some of the newspapers, to make mischief, say, Arch, headline, Archbishop says Lord's Prayer is problematic. <laughs> For goodness sake. Uh, it's just having, when you're in a place and you see it reported on the media, you think, are they in the same place as me? 
but the Archbishop made a good point that while Jesus teaches us to call God Father, none of us has had a perfect father. So for me, I had a good dad, but he wasn't perfect. It was easy for me to realize God is a good father, but I somehow projected my dad's faults onto God and that some of the issues in my relationship with my human dad became issues with God until God by his spirit pointed that out and set me free from For others who've not known their fathers or have had bad fathers, uh, God really wants to bring a healing to that and help you to know him as the perfect loving father. So we must talk about God as father, Jesus did. Uh, and all of us can grow to know him more. It's not the only truth about God. God is our creator, he's our shepherd, he's our king, he will be our judge. But when you become a Christian and bow the knee to Jesus as Lord, you are adopted into God's family, the same as any child adopted into the family. There's a whole new start and a new relationship of love uh, to bring healing where there's been hurt to bring health and life, and God wants that for all of us. Now, there's lots more I could say about that, but God as Father isn't the main point of the sermon, so I'll move on, but that is the essential background. The second thing is that God, the good Father, wants to give us the best gift of all. Now, we love giving gifts to our children or grandchildren or nephews or nieces or godchildren. There is a great joy in giving a gift that is well-received, And you know as you grow up that there is more joy in giving than in receiving. And God as the perfect father wants to give good gifts. And supremely the best gift. Now he's given us life. He's given us this amazing world to live in. He's given all of us different abilities and talents. uh, Some more creative, some more sporty, some more musical, some more relational. All sorts of different things he's given to us. But the best gift... God wants to give, he gives to everybody who asks. And that is the gift of his Holy Spirit, his very self. Jesus taught us that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. An an eternal relationship of love. God isn't just on his own, solo, cold, and distant. At the heart of God is a relationship of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God the Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to us so we can know him. So let's just listen to these words again from the end of our reading. Jesus said, Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And just Hebrew idiom is very black and white. So, so when Jesus said, though you're evil, we're sinful. We get things wrong. It's very black and white. But how much will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit the best gift to those who ask him? Now, why is the Holy Spirit such a good gift? Well, as I said at the beginning, without God's Holy Spirit, I cannot lead the life that God wants me to live. I cannot be Fully me. I may be able to do certain things outwardly, and other people may be very certainly impressed by that, but we all know inwardly that that doesn't satisfy. No amount of achievements or money or fame or anything else satisfies inwardly. To be the person God's made us to be, I'm made to run on God's Holy Spirit. He's created me with, if you like, a God-shaped gap in me to be filled by his Holy Spirit. And if I try and fill that gap with anything else, whether it was the 60s sex and drug and rock and roll, or whether it's anything else, 
it doesn't satisfy. It's a bit like putting diesel in a petrol car. It doesn't go very well. Most of us have done that or the opposite once. I've got a friend who did it twice. That was less impressive. Uh, but uh, but we often, it goes for a little while and then it splutters and dies. We are designed to run on God, relationship with him, on Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus is saying. Now, before Jesus, the Old Testament tells the story of God's record with his people over many years. And God rescued his people from Egypt, famously through Moses and the Red Sea. He, they were his people. He gave them the Ten Commandments at Sinai, told them this is how to live. They went into the Promised Land, but they just could not live like that. They hadn't yet been given the Holy Spirit. And however much God told them how to live, they could not do it. Almost the opposite. It's a bit like if you go somewhere and you're told, you go to, a, I don't know, a, an old country house or an Oxbridge college or something, it said, and you visit and it says, don't walk on the grass. You immediately want to walk on the grass. And God's Ten Commandments tell us how to live. And there's something in us then that wants to do the opposite. And it's a problem. And in the Old Testament, God said, one day a day is coming when instead of my law being a weight on you, I'll put it within you by my Holy Spirit. So it energizes you to live life my way. Um, imagine you're walking up a mountain. It's a, a good weather, say in the Lake District or something like this. You go for a day's hike. Some of you are mad enough to go up mountains in bad weather. But imagine it's good weather. And you take on your back supplies. It's going to be a long day. You've got some food there. You've got something in a thermos or whatever. When it's on your back, it is a weight on your back. It's actually it's harder work walking. But you get halfway maybe get all the way to the top and you sit down for your picnic, maybe halfway, you eat the food, you drink the drink, and what was a weight on your back becomes fuel and energising within you. That is what God wants to do by his Holy Spirit, to put himself in us so we want to do what he wants, so we want to live his way. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He helps us to know that God is our Father. Do you remember when Jesus was baptised and the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove? He heard the Father saying, you are my son, I'm well pleased with you. As I've grown in relationship with God, one of the things the Holy Spirit has done is help me know God as my Father. It's been the greatest joy to pray with lots of people uh, and then start to realise God is not just the creator, the judge, the king, he's your Father. He helps, the Holy Spirit helps to make prayer real. Uh, until then, it could be like saying prayers, and they're bouncing off the ceiling, and you wonder if there's anybody listening. When God comes into your life by his Holy Spirit, you realise that prayer is a conversation with God, not just saying prayers, but there's a relationship. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, suddenly the Bible starts to speak to you. What is an old book from 2,000 and more years ago? God seems to shine and say it speaks to us today a bit like again in, if you're in an old national trust property there's a there's a sundial it's a cloudy day it doesn't speak and when the clouds part and the sun comes out suddenly it tells the time when the holy spirit comes upon you god's word starts to speak and it's an extraordinary thing uh, how th these words of god from years ago he still speaks today by his spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there's some more uncomfortable things as well. He starts to show us what's wrong inside. In jargon terms, he convicts us of our sin. He does that so we can repent and turn from it and live the right way. But it is a little uncomfortable. Uh, 
we have something called the Alpha Course here in this church, as in many churches, to introduce people to Christian faith. We do a meal, there's a talk, there's a chance to ask any questions you like. But quite often, halfway through an Alpha Course, someone would say to me, Jonathan, it's not working. And I'd say, what do you mean it's not working? You're enjoying finding out about God? Yes, I am. You're beginning to find prayer makes sense? Yes, I am. You're, the Bible's beginning to make sense to you? Yes, it is. What do you mean it's not working? Well, I thought I was meant to be getting better as a person, but I'm getting worse. I say, oh, no, you're not. You just had no idea how bad you were before. <laughs> and God, by his spirit, is coming in, and he's convicting you of what you're really like. And as we draw closer to the light, the light shows up the dirt. So when people say to me, well, I'm a very good person, I know they're miles away from God. Because good people don't say how good they are. The good people talk about how far short they fall of God's standards. It's, the Holy Spirit shows us that so that we can take the next step and become the people he's made us to be. And there's so much more. The Holy Spirit helps us to become more like Jesus. He guides us. He strengthens us. He gives us gifts to use in serving him in his church and the world. But again, I must move on because it's not primarily a talk about the Holy Spirit. The point Jesus is making today, and this is my third point, is how do you receive such a wonderful gift? We know if you're given a gift wrapped up, you just say thank you, you tear the paper off, and you enjoy it. How do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? And this is my third point. God is Father. He wants to give the best gift, and we receive the Spirit simply by asking. And that's the point of the parable. So let's read this again, uh, verses 5 to 8. Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Obviously, days before there were freezers and fridges and microwaves. You can't keep all the food. It goes off. Someone turns up. It's a hospitality culture. You've got to provide food for them. You haven't got any. You think, I'm going to have to go and wake Fred up. He'll hate this. I've got to go. Uh, Suppose someone says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come. I've got no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are all in bed, and the original, all in bed together because they would have all been in a room, one room. If he gets up, the kids wake up. If you've got children who don't sleep, you do anything to stop them waking up just once they've got to sleep. Just shut up, go away. No, I don't want to give you any bread. Go and ask someone else. And yet I tell you, even though he won't get up and give you the bread because he's his friend, Because of his shameless audacity, he's knocking on the door, give me some bread, he'll surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now when Jesus uses parables, don't push them too far. They're meant to make one point. It doesn't mean that God is a grumpy neighbour. The point Jesus says, and he tells us why he's telling it, is to go on asking. Here's someone who knocks and asks and goes on asking. Which is why Jesus immediately goes on to explain it by saying this. Let's read verses 9 to 13. So I say, no, let's go back, 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. That's the point of the parable. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. And then he says the bit we've looked at. Which of you fathers, if you're wondering, well, what's Jesus telling us to ask for? What's this about? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Of course you won't. And now let's go on. Oh, no, that's gone back. There we go. And if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
Your father in heaven is not a grumpy neighbor. He's not asleep. He's waiting for you to ask. And he's a loving God who will not force gifts on you. He waits for you to ask. And Jesus invites us to ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, if that's going to happen, we need to turn away from our sin and living life the wrong way. The Holy Spirit is not going to fill people determined to do things that are not holy. But as we turn to Jesus and ask, you might think, well, what if I do ask, will anything happen? Well, we emphasize things if in the newspapers or when we, we print them out or we send emails. We put them in bold or capitals, or if you're clever, I can't do it, you can make the, the text dance and sing with lights to, to emphasize something. In Jewish thought, you just emphasize it. You say it again. And Jesus says it here six times. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. That's six times. Let me tell you uh, part of my story. I was a student and I went to, I was a Christian, and I went to a meeting in someone's house. There was a sort of new wave of the church being open to God's Holy Spirit um, back in the 1980s, so dim and distant past. And there were various meetings in houses. Um, and I remember going to a meeting where someone gave a talk very much like this one, that God wants to give you more of the Holy Spirit you need to ask. Uh, and at that time, quite a lot of people were receiving the Holy Spirit um, afresh, and it was... For some of them, you could tell very much immediately uh, what was going on. There were, some of them, God touched deeply inside at some of the pain, and they were, there were tears. Some of them, there was a great joy, and there was a laughter. Some of them, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the, the Bible says, don't be drunk on alcohol, but be filled with Holy Spirit. Some of them, they were almost inebriated on Holy Spirit and telling us all that we were their best friend, that it was... And uh, I've seen folks in this church when sometimes God's come by his Holy Spirit. One or two people just are almost drunk on Holy Spirit and <laughs> tell us, oh, we're the best friend. For me, I, I, was a, I went to this meeting and we were all prayed for to be filled with the Spirit. And God seemed to be doing something to everybody else except me. And I was standing there thinking, oh, well, maybe this isn't for me. And I went home and thought it was a good talk and they were nice people. But Lord, what was going on? The next day I had to drive a fairly long way. I was going from Oxford to East Anglia. I got stuck in a traffic jam on the A12. And I'm normally pretty impatient when it comes to traffic jams. Um, I'd get in I could still get in trouble with Juliet if we're on the motorway and I'd say, well, I could get off the exit and get on again and beat 100 cars or something. But, and she's embarrassed. But there's still a bit of me about a bit like that. Uh, I was a lot like that 40 years ago. And I found, suddenly realized after half an hour, I was very at peace. I was just singing quiet worship songs in my heart to God. And I thought, oh, perhaps something did happen. And I've learned that some of us are just delayed reactors. God does something and it takes a while for our body to notice that, that we've done something. So for me, I'm, I've learned when I'm prayed for to receive more of God's Holy Spirit, and I always love being prayed for for that, often I'll notice a bit later, sometimes at the time, uh, some of you are much more immediate and, and you know when God's doing something. But I've learned that whenever I pray for people to be filled with his spirit, I've prayed for hundreds of people down the years in church, God always does something. And it's, 
He knows us deeply. For some, he helps us know he loves us like a father. For some, he helps us pray. For some, he unlocks that bit of pain that's been locked up for years and says, let's start healing that so you can be free from it. I love that Amazing Grace hymn we sang a little while ago, written by John Newton, who was the owner of a slave-trading ship. Terrible man uh, doing the Atlantic slave trade. In a storm, cried out to God to rescue him and was so amazed that God would save a wretch like him that he jacked in all the slave trading, he became a Christian. In fact, he got ordained and became a vicar. If you go to Olney in Buckinghamshire, where he was vicar, you can read all the story very easily. Actually, you can go on Google. It's much easier (laughs) to read the story. But it is amazing grace. God changes us from the inside out. So a question I have is, I've been in church all this time. God's people pray to be filled with the Spirit so much. Why doesn't it make much difference? Surely it should make more difference. And I think I've learned down the years that too many of us are too full of other stuff. God will fill us with as much of his spirit as we can. But if we're full of other things, more important than God, these are called idols. It may be for some people money is more important than God, or fame, or success, or achievement, or beauty, or possessions. I learned that for me, my two idols were family, Are they more important than God to me? And church family, is that more important than God to me? But if we're full of these things, there's not much space left for God's Holy Spirit. And we have to say, thank you, Lord, for all these good things. But none of them ultimately will satisfy like he will. And we have to get them in the right place. And what I've learned is that when we're in the right place with God, all those other things are fantastic. Church, family, Actually, several of those other things I've never experienced. I haven't had beauty or money or sporting success. I don't know about those. But um, the, the other things fall into place and are good. So for some of us, it may be saying, Lord, what's in the way? Here I am, if you like, a container designed to be full of your Holy Spirit. Is there something that needs to go to make room for you the best gift? Or perhaps some of you would rather live life not on the best gift, just with the other things. We're going to pray in just a minute. Let me just finish with one thing. Uh, 100 plus 150 years ago, something of that time, there was a famous evangelist called D.L. Moody, American man, who led hundreds of people, thousands, to faith in Jesus. But it became known that he prayed every single day, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And someone once asked him, Mr. Moody, why do you pray that same prayer every day? And he said, it's very simple, I leak. God fills me with the Spirit, it leaks out. I need to be filled up again. Which is why we are told in Scripture to not only ask, but the sense of these verbs is ask and go on asking. Seek and go on seeking, knock and go on knocking. And those of you who have been Christians many years, you know this. Those of you who are dipping your toe in the water, I want to invite you to ask perhaps for the first time, God, will you come and meet me? If this is true, that you are my heavenly Father, that Jesus has meant his death on the cross and resurrection means I can be washed clean of all my sin, I can be filled with your Holy Spirit and be the person you made to be, I want that. Help me no more. So that's what we're going to pray now. Uh, Let me just explain, I know we have a number of guests here this morning. I'm going to invite the band to come back. In fact, band do come back. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand 
and I'm going to pray a prayer. You've been sitting very patiently and graciously for a while. Uh, I'm going to pray the, a prayer based on what I've been preaching, and then pray, God, come by your spirit, and we're going to be still for a minute, really still. And just notice what's going on. Something may come to mind. If it's a painful memory, it may be God wants to heal you from that. Go, I want to encourage you to go with that. Lord, I'd love to be healed of that or set free. Don't just squash it down. It may be a joyful memory. It may be a, you may even get a question in your mind. Is this what you really want? Uh, Jesus never forces himself. He often asks, what do you want? So we're going to give a little bit of time to that. And then I want to encourage you, uh, perhaps later on today or tonight as you're reflecting on the day, just think, okay, do I want to really know? If you do, we'd love to invite you to our Alpha course in the autumn. It's going to be Wednesday evenings in the autumn. Some of you live miles away. Other churches do this course. It's brilliant. And you can find out more. But for today, we just want to invite you to pray. So would you stand, and I'll lead in a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we bow before you and praise you that you left the glory of heaven to be born as a baby, to grow up as a boy, to become a man, one of us. You know what it is to be human. We praise you for your perfect relationship with the Father. Praise you that you are a man full of the Holy Spirit, loving perfectly and sacrificially, leading such an attractive life. Lord Jesus, we want to be more like you in this church family and individually. We say we want to be more like you. So we pray, come by your Holy Spirit now in this place, in increased measure, and wherever people are watching online, whether today or at a later date. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just be still for a minute. See what God might be doing in us. who God might be touching a memory of your own earthly father or parent and we pray Lord if there are painful memories that you would begin a healing process or continue it to set us free from wounds from the past Others will be longing for relationship with you, not just religion, not just saying prayers, but real praying and hearing you speak through the scriptures, perhaps in other ways. We pray, Lord, by your spirit, you would open people's eyes to see the truth of your word, to hear you speak through it. We pray for all of us that you would point out perhaps something we need to say sorry for, cut out, to make space for you. And we pray, fill us with your spirit. And we pray, even as we come to sing our last song, that you would do that more and more. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.